0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, the Leadership Series. Today, we have Alex C- Cieri. Why did you decide to become a cybersecurity leader versus staying an individual contributor?
1: It's It's interesting because it happened by accident. It was a function of the fact that after doing a few different things, I started my career actually as a researcher slash software developer right after college, and then I did a few things on the business side. And then I became, became an entrepreneur I started a consulting company that was doing cybersecurity. So naturally as the amount of work we needed to do increased and we had to hire more people, I kind of stumbled into transitioning from being an individual contributor to managing teams of people to try to replicate the work I was doing myself previously and, and try to be able to deliver more by adding more people. And so that was a natural process and literally on-the-job learning, right? And and what I did to, to help facilitate that transition at some point, I, I I took an executive MBA at a prestigious institution here in, in Brazil, which really helped. I'm going to go, get back to that point later on at a, another of your questions. And something I always try to keep in mind in that transition of an individual contributor, a security consultant in that case, to a manager of security consultants is I knew some people that were technical tens, right? They were as good as you can be technically. And I, I'm in awe of those people, right? Really respect them. And I felt I could never achieve that myself, especially if I transitioned into a leadership role, because you don't have as much time, you can't go as much in depth into the, the technical stuff, technical stuff. But if I was a six technically, and I was a six in maybe the business aspect of, it, they would be a 10, but I would still be a 12, right? So that's the, the kind of the, the mental model I was trying to follow. Interesting.
0: As you progressed into this leadership role, what are some of the critical skills that you felt were required to be as successful as you The
1: more you transition away from being an individual contributor, the more understanding your business and having better softs becomes important, right? It it starts to de-emphasize the technical knowledge a bit and and to, to have a greater weight. Those two things. So, when you start managing people, you need to know how to manage people. That's a separate skill. You know, there's this very well known concept of the halo effect that people talk about when they talk about project management. Just because someone is a great engineer doesn't mean that they know how to manage engineers or engineering projects. Managing people and managing projects on themselves, entire bodies of knowledge, entirely different expertise that you need to study and, and practice to get good at. So just acknowledging that from the get-go is going to help you level set your expectations, give you the necessary humility to seek out the resources you need to, to understand that. And particularly information security, we're talking about risk. Risk is never technology risk. Like the risk of the technology itself is going to be bad. Risk should always mean a risk to the business, the technology failing Confidentiality, integrity, and availability being compromised means there's an impact to the business. So understanding not only how your particular business works, but what, how businesses in general are run. You know, how does marketing work? How do finances work? What are, What is relevant to a company's finances in general? You know, th- that sort of thing. Again, the more you, you rise up the ranks inside leadership roles, the more this becomes your day-to-day work. Not only because you will be managing budgets yourself, so understanding how a company's finances and processes work just becomes a necessity, right? But also because you're going to be increasingly asked to report to more and more senior executives interact more and interact more with business functions. So you need to understand them and how to talk to them, their language, the way they operate, the way they think, to be able to do your job properly. Because any good information security professional and leader, what they're doing is helping businesses making better informed risk decisions. If you don't understand the business and what you cannot evaluate what the risks are to that business, you can't understand what they prioritize or deprioritize, you're not going to be able to do a good job just as a security professional in general, right? But then again, as a leader, the increasing part of your job is going to be doing that for your own organization, your own teams.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. So as you grew in leadership, what's your comfort level with delegation on a scale of one to five and why?
1: I would say that the, the one that is missing is still the perfectionist and formal technical person in me saying, but if I did that myself, maybe I could do the artisanal hand-woven thing that would be slightly better. And I still have to contain that instinct, you know, and beat it down and say, no, no, you let the other people do the work, Alex. (laughs) So that's what I think that one is, is missing, still fighting that, you know, inner wolf, you
0: know, that's trying to do that. Yeah. You mentioned working with others. How would you rate yourself in collaboration from one to five and why? I feel like I'm a natural
1: collaborator, collaborator, but I'd I'd give myself a three on that because I still struggle with dealing with with people that, as we all do, and actually we, we talk about polarization, right? Handling people that think radically differently from you is a big challenge, right? I try to avoid that problem a lot by trying to learn as much as possible about the work that other people do so I can start to think more like them. But in those rare instances where I actually think, like if you meet someone that says, information security is crap. that's useless, you're just wasting my time, I still have a very hard time calming down and collaborating with that person, right? I shouldn't, it's my job not to. And And you know, the first step in solving a problem is acknowledging it exists, but let, that's still a big challenge for me. So I'd say a three.
0: And following on with that, how would you rate yourself in communication on a scale of one to five and why?
1: As far as leadership goes, I, I would say I tend to over-communicate rather than under-communicate as much as my, my schedule allows. So I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with my level of communication. It's a bit smug to say that, but I, I would tentatively give me a, a 4.7 or something on that scale. I, I feel that that has never been an issue. The, the quality and the amount of communication, much more the other two issues we just discussed. Okay, Maybe if you ask the people that report to me, they disagree, but that, that's my self-perception anyway.
0: That definitely makes sense. Speaking of the people that report to you, as well as working with the business, how do you rate yourself in influence? It's interesting because the way I think about influence
1: and people have so many negative associations with sales. But but think of like the ideal good way of doing sales, right? I think that's what influence is. You're just selling an idea. You're selling a project. You're selling an initiative, right? And if you look at, we all think about the gimmicky, like used car salesman. You know, ignore those people. Think about the best salesperson met that really helped you identify a need and a solution together with you. And that was able to tell you, this is how much it costs. This is what it takes to deliver it. And help you make that happen. I feel like that's what you need for 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 instance, right? That's the the, the right mindset. You need to find it's much more about negotiation. I think to think about what does th- that person need? Do we align somehow? Is there anything that we share that is a common need that we can, you know, work together on? Right. The other thing I would say is that I understand why there's an aspect of information security, and it's Interestingly, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but it's a very American thing where we have like military terms and the military hierarchy and the military mindset come into play. And maybe it's just my misunderstanding on how the military works, but my immediate association with that is a very hierarchical structure where people are issuing orders that you have to follow, right? And if you question those orders, you could get in trouble. Because you don't want people questioning stuff too much when they're under fire. You need to respond, you know, because someone upper, uh, above your, uh, you on the, on the chain of command has better intel, has better information. If we stop to discuss everything and make, you know, collegiate decisions, then, you know, you get shot while you're discussing instead of, you know, killing the enemy, right? So understand that in a military context, you need this very hierarchical, top-down structure. But in 99.99% of organizations, that's exactly the opposite of what you want. So you need to be able to convince people, sell in a good way, people, that what you're trying to do is in their best interest or that's in the company's best interest and will be much beneficial to everyone and is worth doing. Because when someone just doing stuff because they were told to, their productivity, their motivation just really drops. And the way that we are in, people can very easily change jobs, in information security, even with the current crisis. There are many more open positions than there are you know qualified people available. If you start bossing people around, if that's your instinct, because you feel like that's the right thing to do you're going to be in a world of hurt because those people can very easily migrate away to other companies that are not treating them that way, right? So it's much more important to make sure people really agree and understand with the things that they're being asked to do. And if they don't, it's your job to try to understand maybe they're right. Maybe you're asking them to do the wrong thing and you need to revise your position as a leader. Or maybe you're going to learn about an objection that you need to overcome. And again, this is a sales language. And a customer has an objection, you need to understand it. You need to empathize with the customer. And then you need to respond to that objection and show them, you know, give them a different perspective and change their mind, right? But if the customer objection is real, then you have to change what you're offering, right? That's the only way you're going to overcome that objection. It's the same thing here, much more than top-down hierarchical chain of command style. That's what I would recommend. Like empathy is another critical skill that you would add to the list. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a, not one is cut out for the, the, the role of leadership. As I, as I mentioned, you're managing people first and foremost, you're not, you know, most of us go to IT, go to information security because we like computers, applications, you know, automated processes, things. So again, we're not doctors and nurses who are dealing with people. We're mostly think about ourselves as dealing with things, right? And that's completely different when you step into the leadership role, We have to switch away to dealing with people. So you need to have a certain level of emotional intelligence and empathy. Otherwise you're gonna make your life, employers, your your teams, your employees' lives hell, right? So when an organization is choosing people to promote to leadership positions, that's a key trait to look for. And those are things that are a little bit innate, a little bit, you know, how you develop throughout your your life. It can be improved. People can go to therapy, people can take training, people can work and improve themselves, but it's a lot slower than learning a new technical skill, right? So having that empathy and that openness to talk to people about difficult subjects, to break bad news to people, those sorts of skills, again, goes back to to the soft skills conversation. Not everyone that is, excels at technical positions has that. Some people do, right? But but not all of them do. And so those people are the ones that are probably more suited to being in a leadership role, in my opinion.
0: And throughout your career, in regards to networking, and um, in this case, networking with people, how important of a skill is it and why? It's critical, in my opinion.
1: If you are focused on managing people, you need to this, your skill, conversational skills, you need to learn about is as many different points of view as possible, to view as few people as possible as the other, right? And, and avoid that flash that we talked about before. Uh, and just on a practical level, if you are managing a team, even if you are working in information security at a, at a company, you're not like I was working on a consultancy or a vendor, right? Networking means you might be meeting a new employee, a new team member. You're talking to someone at a conference, at a at an event right, that you just met, and maybe you talk to them about your company, about the work you guys do, and they decide to come over. Maybe not today, maybe five years from now, when they decide to leave where they are, they're going to remember, I've talked to that person. I kept in touch with them through a mailing list, a Slack channel, whatever it was. They were nice. They said nice things about what they were doing, and I want to work with them. So on a practical level, networking helps you find good products you can use as a security leader, team members you could hire, You know business partners, you, you can do partnerships with, as a vendor, customers, you can always, you can find out customers as well, like that. So that networking, again, broadens your horizon, gives you a, a bigger toolbox of people you can rely on when you need to hire, when you need to find a service provider, when you need to ask for advice, that, that can be a superpower. That can be really interesting. And if you feel like that's a lot of work. I find that emotionally taxing. I find this is really hard. You want to think how happy you're going to be in a leadership position, because this is exactly the sort of thing you should be doing internally with your team members, the people you lead, you need to be talking to them. You need to be meeting people on your peers, on your larger organization that you need to interact with. And and, and, and so if that is really taxing for you, maybe you want to continue to be like a technical, either you improve that about yourself somehow. Right. Or you decide, no, that that's not for me. There's nothing wrong with that. Both paths are completely valid and can make you a fulfilled, happy, successful person, right? There's no better or worse path. Just choose the one that's going to make you happy, right? And satisfied.
0: Sounds like sage advice. And talking about sage advice, what advice would you give to a future cybersecurity leader that is now watching this recording and considering this as a path for them? Start
1: studying stuff that's not information security as much as you can. So two things that worked for me and that I highly recommend, look into doing something like an MBA, especially if there's something that's part-time, doesn't require full-time dedication. That, so that gives you like a generalist view of like how a business is run, finance, marketing, sales, operations. That gives you a, 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 a an inch deep and a mile wide visibility into how how business strategy is executed and designed, etc. HR, because that's going to allow you to have much better conversation with less restrictions with everyone you need to inside your organization. So that's never going to be the the wrong move for someone that wants to be a leader. And something that I really enjoyed and that really helped me bridge that connection about the human element in information security was studying behavioral economics. There's one book in particular that I think is like a must read for every information security professional that's not entirely full. If all you're doing is writing exploits, you know, all day, you don't need to read this book, but Anyone else probably does. It's a cool book called The Honest Truth About Dishonest, How We Lie to Everyone, Especially Ourselves, by the Israeli researcher, Dan Ari, that has published a ton of work on on behavioral economics, which is kind of an intersection of economics and psychology. And it shows how people don't behave like 100% 100% rational machines, right? So to give a short summary, what everyone here being a rational person would probably expect to be the key predictors of fraud and cheating would be what is the payback if I'm successful committing the fraud? How much do I stand to gain as a fraudster? What is the likelihood of get, getting caught? And what is the punishment if I do get caught? That's what you think, right? That the the, the the intensity and the number of people that commit fraud or cheat it's going to be proportional to those three variables. Those are nowhere near the three most important variables that we found. There's a ton of social context, social cubes, and, and other things that influence that decision a lot more. And this is really disruptive in how we think about awareness training, risk management, insider threats, and things like that. The, the non-obvious thing that came to me after I read this book is you know what the go-to recommendation I make these days for people to say, how do I reduce the risk of insider threat? Most security leaders and professionals, I need to buy tool X or Y or Z. Now, keep your employees satisfied. Treat them as satisfied, grunt Employee, you need to keep your employees as gruntled as possible, is the joke I made. That's the most important thing you can do to avoid insider threat. So that sort of insight is non-technical, and it's something that if you don't reach out to learn, You won't, right? So so
0: I really recommend everyone read that. Yeah, psychological safety is definitely key to having a happy employee. Well, Alex, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing all this advice. We really appreciate it. And thank you very much. It was my pleasure
1: inviting me.